Welcome. I am your host, Ivy Caldwell, and welcome to the A New You TV show. Today, my special guest is Rahima Sanders. She is the author of a book called Criminal Justice versus Mental Health and How a Mother Saved Her Son. Rahima has served as a volunteer with the National Alliance on Mental Illness in Minnesota, where she served on the Board of Directors, Criminal Justice Committee, African American Advisory Committee, and Sharing Hope Committee. She has facilitated family support groups for families who have a family member living with a mental illness. She is a criminal justice mental health consultant assisting families with navigating the mental health and criminal justice system. Rahima is also the co-author in the book collaboration, Walking in My Purpose. Rahima, welcome to the A New You TV show. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor. Yes. Amen. Amen. We have been trying to connect and I have been trying to get you on the show since yeah. last year, but our <laughs> schedules weren't, weren't clicking. They weren't clicking, but here we are. And I'm glad to have you on the show today. I met uh, Rahima in 2021. We were in uh, the same book collaboration entitled Walking in My Purpose. Rahima, how did you become a part of that book collaboration, Walking in My Purpose? Well, um, it's, it's a very interesting story. Um, I happened to, I was over a friend's house and he was doing a book cover um, for one of my books. And he happened to show me this flyer and it had um, Latrina on it. And he, um, when I looked at it, it, she was advertising the the book collaboration. And so I took it and I reached out to her to let her know that I was interested. And that's how I became active, involved with the, um, with the book project. Wow. It's a friend that um, just connected us with the flyer. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. You never know how. God works and puts people together. Yes. You were there working on one project and God introduced you to another one. And here we yeah. are today. And here we are. Wonderful. Now, in your chapter of the book, uh, Walking in My Purpose, um, something happened with your son and you ended up advocating for him. But prior to that night, that you wrote about in the book. Did your son exhibit this type of behavior before? Well, the interesting thing is, is that when I think about it and um, in writing my portion of the book, um, I realized that when he was younger, growing up, um, he, according to his siblings, you know, he had an imaginary friend, someone that he talked to, and they, you know, they always said he was a little different. And I personally, you know, didn't pick up on it. And we think as mothers that we're supposed to pick up on everything that has to do with our children. And we're supposed to know, you know, nothing's supposed to get past us. And when they say, oh, 
you know, he's talking to himself. He has an imaginary friend. I didn't think anything of it because I grew up down south and it wasn't uncommon for us as children to go outside and um, if you didn't have siblings or cousins around to play with, you'd be out there playing by yourself. And of course, you know, talking to your imaginary friends, you right. know, but um, never, never thought that it was like a mental illness or anything, you know, I just, oh, it's just part of his imagination. There's nothing wrong with having imagination. And I remember when he was in high, you know, elementary, junior high, Whenever I would go to the parent-teacher conferences, you know, they would always say, he's such an excellent student, but he's always just talking, mm -hmm. you know? And I used to get on him. I was like, now, you know that when your teacher is talking, you're supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to be listening. And, you know, he would always say, I'm not talking to them. You know, I'm talking to myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, well, and I didn't make a big deal about it, you know, because right. he was an honor student and, that was their only complaint, you know, and I thought, okay, everything is fine. But um, I had no idea that he uh, was dealing with symptoms of a mental illness. Yeah. No clue at all. Yeah. So would you uh, suggest like for parents then, so if their child is little, you know, it's, it's like normal, the imaginary friends, but then once they get to high school, is that something that maybe parents should have the doctors look into? I think that when they are, um, even before they get to high school, I think if they're in an elementary age stage, because he was like maybe between the ages of like four and six. Mm -hmm. And um, when his, you know, when his siblings were saying, oh, he has, you know, imaginary friend, he's talking to, you know, himself or he's talking to whoever. Um, I think that that would be something that parents would kind of like observe just to make certain that um, they can ask, you know, who's your imaginary friend? Where are you, you know, what conversations are you having? You know, kind of like just pay a little attention to it and not just say, oh, it's just part of their imagination. Kids are being creative or kids mm -hmm. are just being kids. Because um, I think if I had asked those questions and, you know, looked a little closer I probably would have noticed that, well, um, it's okay to have a healthy imagination, but maybe there's something else, mm -hmm. you know, that's going on that um, needs, you know, needs my attention. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So pay attention, ask those questions. And what about mm -hmm. like maybe documenting something, you know, like I would, I would definitely say document it. Okay. Um, because as he once well, once he had his breakdown, I found that documenting, um, I just got a spiral notebook and I just started documenting things that I was observing, things that he would say, things that he were doing, you know, um, that way when um, I had to go to the doctor with him, mm -hmm. I could have a record of these are the yeah. things that I'm observing. These are the things that he's doing. These are the things that he's saying. Should I be concerned or, right, right, you know, right. and they were able to look at it and say, well, I think we need to do, you know, an assessment and figure out, you know, what's going on. So definitely you want to document, you want to pay attention and you, you know, you want to ask those questions, but at the same time, you want to be supportive of the child. You don't want to scold them and be like, boy, a girl, you don't get somewhere to stop talking to yourself or there's no such thing as an imaginary 
animal or person or whatever, you don't want to do that because again, children are very impressionable when they're growing up and we want to make certain that how we respond to them has a big impact on how much they share with us. Mm -hmm. And when you're four, five, six, and someone is scolding you because you're telling them about your imaginary friend that's there, or you're seeing something that they're not seeing, and you know they scold you about it. Then it can cause you cause them to withdraw, and they become closed, and they won't let you in and you know share that information so that you can help them, you yeah. know, and get them the help that they need and the support. Yeah, I agree with they you one hundred percent on that one. That. Yeah, do not scold them. Yeah, wow. So support them, mm-hmm. Jesus. Hmm. All right. All right. So let's get to uh your chapter where uh things just seem to put you front and center, really, to start advocating for your son. So something happened on one cold, snowy night. What happened? Well, um, he went to a party with some friends. And while he was at the party, they decided that they were going to smoke marijuana or weed as, as young people call it, or trees or whatever terminology they use for it these days. And um, when he decided to smoke with them, it sent him into a psychosis. Mm. And what most parents and, you know, people don't know is that if you are prone to a mental illness or if you have um, mental illness in your family, a history of it, um, there's a chemical in marijuana, THC, I think it's THC, TCH, I think it's THC. Sometimes I get them mixed up, but um, that particular chemical um, will induce and bring on full psychosis. Mm. And we also know that even for people who don't have a history of mental illness, um, you've heard of people who have smoking marijuana and, and for a moment they're paranoid, you know. Uh, so just right imagine. Here, right here. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. I mean, I would be paranoid. Seriously. I mean, I will start listening to my heartbeat and like, wait a minute, and feel like the pump, the vest, the blood vessels in my I, I left that stuff alone. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so imagine someone who doesn't have it, they become paranoid and have what you describe. Then you have someone who is prone to mental illness but does not know it. And then they Mm-hmm. Um, smoke marijuana and then there they are they in full-blown psychosis you know they paranoid and whatever in his case it just brought out everything mm-hmm. um, and it, it scared his friends because he was talking about stuff and doing stuff and saying stuff and they were like they didn't know what to do you know they they, they truly panicked and his um, brother's girlfriend was there and she called me and she was like, I don't know what's going on with him. Can you come and get him? He's just acting really strange. And, you know, and he's saying stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And when I arrived there, he was really upset about a cell phone. He thought someone had taken his cell phone and he was just, you know, saying how the government was going to come and, you know, just all just a bunch of stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, And I 
told him, I said, okay, I'll just replace it. Let's go home. You know, my thing was I want to get him from the environment, from his friends, you know, um, because again, people can be cruel, even though, you know, he was amongst friends. There are people who make comments, oh, he's crazy or, you know, stuff. And when a person is in psychosis, you don't know what words that you're going to use or say mm -hmm. that can trigger a reaction make you know it either ramps them up or they can become aggressive or whatever the case might be and so for me it was just getting him there and getting him home and when we got to the house when we pulled up to the house we were living in a town home and um you have when it snows, they send the workers out to clear the snow and make certain that everything is, is, you know, as it should be. And he was saying that those were government agents and they were coming to get us, mm -hmm. you know, they were not out there clearing the snow. They were actually getting ready to come get us. So it took me literally about, I'm going to say 30 to 45 minutes to convince him mm -hmm. to come into the house. And he's standing outside in a t-shirt and jeans in the dead of winter and wow. snow mm. and I'm doing everything that I can to persuade him you know don't worry about them we need to get inside where it's warm and so I got him inside and I told my friend I said something just doesn't seem right and I went upstairs to um, call the hospital to talk to a nurse you know to talk about what was going on and she called me downstairs and he was standing in the kitchen holding a knife and a snow scraper. Mm. And he was like, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm protecting you because they're getting ready to storm the house. Mm. And she's scared because she doesn't know, you know, he's standing there and he didn't have a little knife. He had a big kitchen butcher knife mm. in one hand and the sky, you know, the snow scraper in the other hand. And I don't know. I, I would say it was divine intervention because I just said to him, I said, you know what? I don't feel good. I I don't feel well. And you're my only relative mm. that's here. And I need you to go with me to the hospital mm. because I need help. Mm. And um, he agreed. Yeah. And so we got him into the vehicle we sat in the front. I drove. She sat in the passenger side of the van and he sat in the back seat behind her. But the whole while he was holding this knife. Jesus. And this um, snow scraper. And so I just drove and, you know, we remained calm, didn't didn't engage him in any conversation or anything. And by the time we got to the emergency room, he had fallen asleep. Mm. and so I told her I said I'm gonna go in and get help and you just you know stay here and watch him because at that point I didn't want him to get out and go running off anywhere or yeah. or worst case scenario he get out and then police see him with a knife and we have a whole nother situation yes and so um I went in and um explained what was going on and they were looking at me like I was crazy. And mm. at the point where I said, okay, let me help you understand. Mm. Either you're going to come out and assist me to assist my son 
or none of you are going to have a job because I'm going to own this hospital after I sue you. Then I got some results. Yeah, yeah. And the guard that was sitting at the desk, he was looking at the camera and he says, well, I see some movement. And I told him, I said, okay, I don't want the police involved. I don't want anyone manhandling him. I will bring him into the hospital. I just need you guys to just work with me and, you know, because we have to keep him safe, everybody safe. And in my mind, you know, as a mom, yes, he needed help, but I was more concerned about his safety because I didn't want law enforcement. I didn't want somebody coming out and being aggressive with him yeah. and uh, making the situation worse for him. Because um, I'm pretty sure when you're in a psychosis state, things are already traumatic for you as it is, but I didn't want to have additional trauma added to what he was already experiencing. And so got him in and um, they had some people come from the psychiatric department and uh, they were able to get him, you know, to take him back for observation. And we were there for a while and they finally said, we're going to keep him because we have to make certain that this isn't um, a drug induced psychosis, you know, just to make certain that if it is a drug induced psychosis, then it's going to wear off after right. it's no longer in his system. But if it's not and it's something more, then, you know, we need to assess that too. Right. right. And so, and that was the beginning of our journey mm. with him. Wow. I can't even imagine. I know you guys had to be, you know, afraid that night in the kitchen when he was holding the knife and the scraper. It was like, oh my God. Yeah, because it's like, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like he was going to hurt us, but I, well, I didn't feel like he was going to hurt me because I'm mom, but yeah. for my friend to be standing there, you know, and she had known him since he was little, yeah, you know, and at this time he's 17, mm. you know, um, so it was, you know, it was one of those situations where you just didn't know what to expect. But um, like I said, divine intervention, because yeah. today, I don't know where those words came from. Yeah, the or, Holy Spirit. That, the Holy Spirit gave me that right there. Some quick wisdom on the spot. I'm yes. like, wow, Jesus, you didn't feel good. I just need you to come with me to the hospital. Yeah, that was good. Some quick thinking there. Wow. Um. Your son has a, a mental condition, right? So they diagnosed him? Yes, they diagnosed him with, um, well, he has two conditions. They diagnosed him with schizophrenia, and then they diagnosed him with bipolar disorder as well. Okay. Does anyone in your family have that in those conditions? We, um, I learned that we have mental illness on my mother's side of the family, her father had a brother and a sister um his sister was institutionalized and i don't remember exactly what happened with the brother but it seemed that they both had the same diagnosis and then come to find out um my mom has 10 siblings mm -hmm. and it skipped me and my siblings but um my mother's Let's see, she's the oldest. Her, the fifth child of my grandparents, um, his youngest, his youngest daughter 
No, his second oldest daughter has the same diagnosis that my son has. Yeah. And yeah. then um, my uncle, which is my mom's oldest brother, his son has the same diagnosis, but not his daughter. So it seemed like it kind of like skipped. Yeah. How I ever landed, but we definitely, there is a history of yeah. mental illness in the family, which I had no idea because yeah. we don't find out about stuff like that until something happens. Because as you know, right, in the African-American family, we don't talk about mental health. Right. You know, everybody has a crazy, as they say, Uncle Joe or right. Aunt Sally, who's a little strange or different, yeah. Yeah. you know, but they don't really talk about it or address it. And yeah. so, um, but when he had his diagnosis and his breakdown, I had to figure out, well, is it on his dad's side of the family? Did it come from my side of the family? Where did it come from? Right. And we discovered it was my mom's father side yeah. of the family that had the mental illness. Yes, we have to change the narrative about that, you know, in our communities. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, just stop hiding things and tell the truth because we need to know health issues. Because every time you go yes. to the doctor every year, this, did your mom have this? Did, did your grandmother have this? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not helping you or the generations that's coming behind you. So we need to know yes. those things, what's going on in the bloodline so we can mm -hmm. address them and, and watch out for those things if they happen. Wow. Because mm. I think if I had known, I think the conversations with my children would have been a little different concerning not only just mental health, but um, I would have delved more into the knowledge piece of it to find out well, what different things can cause psychosis like marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea, but had I known that we had a family history of mental yeah. health, you know, that's a conversation I could have with my children and say, okay, well, we have mental health in the family. Um, don't know if you're prone to it or not, but you want to avoid smoking marijuana or you want to avoid this type of, you know, activity or whatever the case might be, you know, to enlighten them and to um, prepare them. Right. Because right, if you right. don't know, then they're not going to know. And right. so. Wow. All right. So your son is diagnosed and then he got, he's doing good and then something else happened uh, in, in your chapter. You said that there was a situation where my son went off his medications. It was involved in an altercation, which resulted in the police officer being headbutted and receiving a chipped tooth. Yes. So um, my son had been off of his medication for exactly nine days. Mm. And um, I had contacted, of course, I contacted his psychiatrist right away when he's day one, when he started refusing his to take his medication. And what we as parents and um, when you have a family member who has a diagnosis and they have to take medication, what I had to understand, which they don't always explain to us is that the medication does not cure the mental illness. It just brings them back to 
um, the baseline where they've always functioned. Mm. And once they come back to that baseline of where they've always functioned, they, they're like, I don't need this medication. It's not working. It doesn't help me because where they were decompensated or in crisis, the medication has now um, subdued those symptoms from the illness. And now they're back at their baseline that they've always functioned at. And that was, a, you know, the situation with my son, the medication brought him back to the baseline of his normalcy where he's always functioned. And he was like, it doesn't work. I don't need to take it. Mm. And he stopped taking it, wow. you know, because it's hard to tell a 17 year old that they have a mental illness. Cause like, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and so he went off his medication and he was out in the community and with schizophrenia, he's the, he's, um, when he's not on his medication, then the symptoms of his, um, illness becomes more prevalent where he's talking to himself. He's laughing out loud to himself. And he was out in the community and somebody thought that he was talking to them or laughing or making fun of them. And they engaged him in an altercation and the police came to break up the altercation. And at the time he had long um, dreads Mm. and he said, um, the officer shoved him into the wall. And of course he threw his head back. And when he threw his head back, um, his head hit the officer in the mouth and chipped yeah. the tooth. Yeah. Um, he was arrested and was taken downtown to the county, you know, to be arraigned um, before the judge in criminal court. Um, I got the letter from his psychiatrist stating that he was under his care, that he'd been off of his medication for X amount of days, and that instead of them having him incarcerated, please transport him to the psychiatric ward, to the hospital, so that they could get him back on his medication. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting because there was a, a, a prosecutor and a defense attorney that was there, the public defender. And once I told the prosecutor what was going on, he was like, well, okay, well, you could tell that to the judge you know, and the public defender was like, well, there's nothing I can do on this end, you know, didn't want to touch it or anything. And so when they called his case, um, I had an opportunity to talk to the judge and explain, um, this is his diagnosis. He's off his medication. Here's the letter from his psychiatrist. And we really want to have him transported to the hospital. And thankfully we had a judge who um, acknowledged the letter acknowledged the mental illness, you know, and clearly um, at looking at my son, you could definitely see that there were some things that was going on because um, even in the court, you know, he was laughing and talking to himself and other stuff that was going on. So they did have the, the judge had the sheriff transport him to the hospital, to the psychiatric ward. And he was there for about three months and um, they were like, okay, is we can't keep him longer than the 90 days because, you know, we don't have enough beds and we need to have beds for other people that are coming in. So he ended up going to the Anoka Regional Treatment Center and he was there for 
um, like six months. It took, mm -hmm. so all together, I, it took a total of like nine months for him to get back to the baseline yeah. where he initially had always functioned. Wow. And it was, you know, it was really difficult to see him going through that. Um, but I didn't have to worry about his safety mm -hmm. because when he's off his medication and he would be out in the community, you know, parents, as a mother, you definitely are concerned about, yeah. Is someone going to do something to him or is he going to encounter the police? And with my son, he always said, when I get ready to leave this world, I'm going to have the police take me out, which mm. uh, we call that death by suicide. Um, mm. su what is it? Suicide by um, death of a police officer. Jesus. When they um, like they're going to physically engage the officer to have them, you know, yeah. take him out. And so with him having told me that, that was like a big concern for me. So I made certain that I went to the sheriff's office. I went to all of the police precincts and made certain, even the, the Minneapolis public transit, because um, he would take the bus, you know, and yeah. they have like the transit police. I made certain that everybody knew his name, what his diagnosis was, and who I was, and that they had my contact information so that if they encountered him um, to give me a call so that I could come and, you know, assist them with him and making certain that not only was he safe, but they were safe as well. Wow. That's something right there for you to be proactive, to go to all of those organizations to get ahead of it. You know, mm -hmm. this is my son. This is what's going on with him. Here's my contact information. That that right there is wisdom. Jesus. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. 